Welcome to the Every Thought Matters podcast. This is a podcast about origin stories, thoughts, and whatever else may come up. Please subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. I hope you enjoy these wonderful conversations. And thank you again for listening. This episode of the Every Thought Matters podcast features Gary Chasen. Gary Chasen has had a wonderful career in the entertainment industry, starting at the age of three, no less, to working on an Oscar-winning film called The Last Picture Show, to his own feature films and his own short films, of which one that I worked on. He's an amazing conversationalist, a great human being. I truly enjoy this conversation. I sure hope you do as well. All right. Welcome, Gary Chasen. My goodness, it's a long time since I've heard your voice. How are you? I'm um, uh, really good now. I've been through a very difficult uh, period. I don't know yeah. if you saw the photograph. No, I did not see the photographs. What, what was going on? Because you know how social <laughs> media is. You, you can't see it unless you actually look for it. Um. Yeah, I, I took a selfie in, in the emergency room um, in, in very early February. I, I passed out and fell. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, I, I have a little minor heart issue, but it snuck up on me. And uh, I had had no uh, symptoms for the longest time. So I thought, well, I, you know. But then, but then it happened. Uh, I, my heart rate got slow. It had been getting mm-hmm. slow, and you know, then I would, would kind of get fuzzy. But uh, one night, I guess it got really slow, and I, I I don't really remember because I blacked out. But sure. just recreating, I must have uh, stood up in my chair, blacked out completely. I mean, went totally unconscious fell forward hit my head i don't know if you can see scar here i fell forward and hit uh, oh. uh, a tv table which mm-hmm. i put in front of the tv at night to eat dinner and, and uh, sure watch tv uh, but i hit it and boom oh a huge Ouch. huge uh, and it was at the time wide the gash in my head but uh, you know i was unconscious and laying there in a pool of blood in my living room. And somehow before I even uh, regained consciousness, I uh, crawled into my bathroom and I was starting to gain consciousness and I pulled myself up on my bathroom sink and my head was covered with blood. And, uh, you know, it was pretty scary. And that woke me up, uh, but I called a neighbor and they the two guys came over and they called an ambulance and uh wow went to the hospital and was there for four nights uh yeah. in addition to this gash which took 10 stitches uh fractured a i broke my neck uh fractured yeah. a, a vertebrae right sure. at the number five back there yep and so I know which uh, one that is yeah, and I was in a neck brace collar thing for two months, and I just got it off uh, last Friday. And wow. So that, yeah, yeah. So that is a big, 
uh, forward step. And yep. I, in the meantime, uh, I got uh, a uh, pacemaker installed right over here. And nice. uh, so that shouldn't be happening anymore. Uh, it should keep my uh, heart. Yeah, at, your resting at heart rate at a good point. Yep. Very cool. I'm just glad you're okay. I did not know all of this and but I'm glad that you're okay because you're like one of my favorite people and always one of my, when I was in the entertainment business, you, you would always inspire me. And even in preparation for this podcast, I still do your uh, voice lessons that you taught us in acting class, you know, reciting okay. the alphabet and humming and all of those things that you gave us just to keep, as you told us, and I never knew until I, you know, took a class with you years ago with that your voice box is a muscle and you taught us how to exercise that muscle. And I still, especially for this podcast, because I talk for usually about an hour, I got to exercise that muscle before I come on and yeah. talk to my guests. And I still use those to this day. Well, Literally. that's good. Well, I remember uh, noticing that the pitch of your speaking voice had lowered a little bit because we were in class and I was listening to you talk and then we played a video that we'd made with you in yeah. it a, a year before or something like that. And I could hear the difference. Yeah. Can you do those kind of, I mean, you gave us so much good information that, and that not only carries in acting, but just in regular life in general. Like even if you're going to go and you work a nine to five job and you're going to speak in front of, go to a meeting even, you need those voice box, you know, exercise that yeah. voice box every day, just so it's ready and clear and pulling words off the page. You know, I had a manager of my store that I work at here, come read us this little speech. And you could tell it was clunky that that was the first time she pulled those words off the page. And I pulled her aside and said, read that out loud about 10 or 15 times before you come over to us and talk to us. So that way, it becomes natural, then the people believe it more, and then you look like more sure. of a leader, you know? And it's, that's Gary Chasing stuff right there. Well, good. Well, I'm glad that worked out uh, well for you. I'm uh, uh, looking back at at the times when in when my little studio, 200 square yep. foot studio, and all, all the great people who, who came through there, you know, and I, I miss you guys. Well, I still keep in contact with pretty much most all of them and I'm blessed obviously to know you and I know what fascinates me about you is like how you got your start in the entertainment industry because I you know we've talked about all of your the films you've done you've acted you've starred in you've written and you're a prolific screenwriter but where did this all start was it sec like did you just, I think we've told me this story, but I want my audience to hear the story, like how this happened, you know, back in the late 60s, early 70s, why you decided to pursue this path. Uh, the truth is, I, I, I've always been on this path. Uh, 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 my older sister uh, led the way. Uh, in fact, uh, when we were quite young, I guess she was four and I was three or something, you know, I, I have been told the story. Uh, and so she was learning to sing Jesus Loves Me. And, uh, and so she was practicing. And so I would 
you know, hold her hand and sing along with her and practice with her. Well, then the time came when wherever it was, she was brought up to the front to sing it. Well, I saw that happening. So I jumped out of my chair and ran up and grabbed her by the hand and sang along with her. And uh, uh, that, that was the beginning, I think, of my show business career. And she, she was the director and producer back then and leading into musical theater uh, and, and became quite uh, successful in her own right. Uh, I'm sure you know of Theater Under the Stars in Houston, uh, but mm -hmm. uh, first, uh, first four, or is it six, four uh, uh, productions that they did at Miller Outdoor Theater, she directed and choreographed. Wow. So that was her, that was her life and her passion. But uh, I, I was more interested in avant-garde uh, experimental theater at, back in those days, in, in, in the 60s. And we uh, was very much an activist, uh, political and social issues uh, mm -hmm. of the time. And uh, yep. I, uh, I felt that, uh, you know, the theater work that we did needed to somehow express, you know, a, a social conscience. And uh, so that's always what I what I did uh, and did theater until just uh, by accident uh, got involved in the movies. Uh, Robert Altman came to Houston in 1970 to to do a film called Brewster McLeod and wow. uh, uh, shot largely at the Astrodome. Uh, uh, Bud Court uh, played this nerdy kind of guy that lived in the uh, fallout shelter underneath uh, the dome. There is no such thing, but, you know, for the movie. Uh, and uh, was building a set of wings because he wanted to fly. And uh, they were the most marvelous wings. We had a great designer who did it. He had to do two pairs because one had to be dropped from the top of the dome. Uh, but uh, so they needed a location casting in Houston. And I got in on the interview and of course uh, I got the job. Uh, uh, nobody was in a good position to compete with me. And uh, so I did that, figured out how to do that. And then uh, uh, one job led to another. Uh, the second one that I did was uh, uh, for a guy named Peter Bogdanovich in a movie called The Last Picture Show. And- uh, yep. That movie came out and got nominated for seven Academy Awards, and and yep. I was launched. Uh, uh, my, you know, speaking immodestly, my work was very good on that film, and uh, uh, and people noticed, and uh, so sure. uh, I was I was launched into a career as a, a casting director, which which I did, and it wasn't until I, I continued to do stage work between movies all mm -hmm. through the, you know, uh, 70s and 80s. And then, and then uh, finally in the, in the early 90s, I, I got together, figured out how to raise money and, and just yeah. determined, you know, and had a good partner. And yep. uh, we got the money and did a feature film, Charlie's nice. Ears. And, yes. uh, and uh, so that was my first. I've done three features. And yep. I don't even know how many shorts. I mean, some in 35 oh. years. Yep. Oh, you did one with me called Clementine's Grave. Shot at my house, no less. Yes. So, yes. 
That's an award-winning uh, film. That that is an award-winning film. So I am an actor, a leading actor in an award-winning film. I can say that, which I'm is kind of funny for me. Too. Oh, I loved it. it you you sh showed your prowess for writing, though, because I, I think you're a very good screenwriter, and I don't know. Is that just something you fell into? Because I think that's one of your great strengths between that and directing. I, how did you learn to, how to write so great? Because I can, you know, count, recall stories until the cows come home of stuff that I've worked on for you that were just like, wow, how did he come up with this? So where does that, where was the origin of those thoughts of being able to write like you do? Uh, that's a that's a difficult question for me to answer. I uh, I always even back uh, in high school I was interested in writing, uh, okay. so I did. And uh, instead of uh, majoring in drama in college or film, of course, I was at the University of Texas, and at that point in time, there really wasn't there's a film department. There's a great whole film school there now, which is one of the yeah. best ones in the in the nation but uh we had radio tv back then and uh and that is it uh uh but uh uh i uh was always dabbling around with writing and i took my degree like i said in in english so you know i studied oh. the work of other writers and i always somehow knew that uh, i would eventually be a writer uh, so uh, I dabbled around with it, but I, I would get ideas for stories and then that, that, that would exist in my brain and, uh, it, 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 and it wouldn't, you know, I had to eventually write it down. Uh, uh, my first feature screenplay was written with a manual typewriter. <laughs> oh, wow. Was it Piper yeah, or Elite? <laughs> I eventually got at IBM Selectric and it was so great wow. because you could do whiteout and, and, and correct to a certain extent your errors. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but then it wasn't too much longer after that, that I got an actual computer and, uh, mm -hmm. and then, then there were screenwriting software that you could buy and install and it made everything yeah. so much easier. And sure. uh, so, uh so I did that, and the main thing is just keep doing it. And sometimes they get produced, like like our Golden Walnut. Uh, uh, yep, the one with Clementine's Grave and all of the yeah, others that we yeah. had with that Golden Walnut production. Yep, I learned that if I write it, then then it's I write something that can be produced. You know, right. other writers, you know, they just go off into fantasy land. It's like no, no we can't do that. Uh, but. Uh, uh, but that always uh, seemed to, to, to work out pretty well. And um, I uh, uh, have, I, I wrote a series, of, I was looking at doing a thing called the Dragon Chronicles that I was mm -hmm. hoping to sell to some people in China as a yeah. TV series uh, mm -hmm. that would be, you know, streaming on demand, uh, the hour long episodes. And they were kind of interested in, but we got nowhere. And uh, I got frustrated with that. And I said, well, you know, what if I turn it into a novel? And then maybe the novel gets published and somebody sees it and 
uh, uh, like Game of Thrones. You know, it started as right. a, as a novel, and then it got right. made into a series. I'm hoping, well, maybe uh, something like that will happen for me. So uh, I've uh, written what would be four episodes uh, as a novel. It's got four chapters. Right. But uh, 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 that's uh, uh, book one of a novel, and there's going to be book two and book three. And out of that would uh, would yield enough material for 12 episodes if uh, it, sure. it, it got made into a series. So now I'm, I'm, I'm off writing novels. That's awesome. But I think that's great because it made, as you're telling that story, and I'm thinking of all the screenplays I've started and never finished, which is, you know, pretty much every screenwriter in Hollywood and, and beyond. And I think, but you keep writing to keep, those basically that screenwriting muscle fresh whether it's screenwriting whether it's a novel you write a lot just to keep it fresh don't you yeah i i, I uh, i'm just uh, uh driven to do that uh i don't uh you know i don't ha i don't not trying to keep it fresh or anything i'm just these things happening in my head and i have to have to get them what? out and write them uh, I'm writing an article now for a, a yeah. book. Yeah, this is more in the field of journalism. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, way back when, uh, like uh, early 70s in Houston, I had just moved to Houston from New York City. And uh, my friends who had been had started an underground newspaper in Austin called The Rag had sent then started an quote underground we called it newspaper in houston called space city news and uh yeah. and so i moved to houston and fell right in with them wrote film reviews for them uh-huh and i don't know it lasted maybe about three years i started working in the movies too much and i didn't have time to 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 write for the uh newspaper anymore uh but uh and then it it died died out but you know here we are 50 years later and some of these things that we did 50 years ago now are history yes true and historians are finding them and uh uh, uh there already is a book on the other underground newspaper out of austin called the rag that that's got a yep. book uh and i'm in that uh and uh now there's a, a book on space city news and I have been tasked with writing a kind of overview. Uh, th th they will uh, publish mm -hmm. excerpts and, and you know articles yeah. and whatever from from the from the newspaper. But they wanted somebody to write an article that was kind of an overview. Uh, oh. At least that's what I'm thinking. So I'm working. I, I, I almost finished it yesterday, but I got some new ideas and. Uh, right. uh, uh, you know, some things that I want to insert in there and, and uh, I, I'm not in a big rush, but I want to get it done so that I can move on to other things. Yeah. Cause uh, I, bef before your accident, I think early in January, aren't you working on a new production too? Of a film? I thought. Yes, I, I did. About I, that. I did a film in 2019. Yes. Nice. Before the pandemic hit. Nice. Wow. 
you're never bored, are you? You always got something, some iron in some fire somewhere, right? Yes. This was something that has been had been in the works for 25 years, however. Yeah. It's a script that I wrote in 1994, and I just had to do it. It's an adaptation of a poem. Why? Sam- yeah, Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Uh, this was written in 1797. It's called Christabel. And uh, actually, it's something of a lesbian vampire story. But, uh, right. In, in, in early vampire literature before Bram, before Bram Stoker. Right. So it doesn't have the biting necks and blood and all that sort of stuff. It's sex and uh, uh, between two women. But, uh, you yeah. know, it's pretty scandalous when it came out in 1800 or whenever. Uh, uh, but uh, it's in two parts, the night before and the morning after. And so uh, I've been trying to get it together. And I finally got to scrape together some of my own money and produced that in the summer of 2019 as a film. It's uh, 34 minutes long. It's just part the first uh, Mm -hmm. uh, of Christabel. And uh, that's finished. And of course, uh, we were going to take it out and maybe try some festivals. And (coughs) I had screenings lined up in Austin and in Houston. And then the pandemic hit. And all that was canceled. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're waiting until more favorable circumstances and, and, you know, it's classical material, so it's not going to, you know, go stale. Uh, no, and uh-uh. so we'll do something with it. And I am ha- having lunch with an old buddy Thursday who mm-hmm. is living with his brother in Wharton and who, uh, you know, not long ago, you know, his wife passed and then he sold his house in Albuquerque and he keeps offering to help me out with money. Like, uh, you know, we're expecting hideous medical bills from this accident here. And right. uh, uh, that never happened. I, my insurance and Medicare and all that is so good that nice. it hardly cost me anything. Good. I don't need financial help. Uh, but, Mm-hmm. Since he keeps offering money, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I know he must be flush because he he he, he sold right. his nice house uh, right. and and lives with his brother rent free, and was toying with the idea of buying an airplane. So you know, uh, oh. he, he decided not to do that. But uh, I'm going to uh, ask him uh, Thursday at lunch if he'd be interested in being an executive producer. Right. <laughs> And are uh, already exploring the possibility of where we'd shoot uh, the studio. It's an in-studio thing. Uh, yep. Uh, I've lost access to that, uh, but uh, we're exploring other possibilities already. And it, it, yeah. if we, and I'd have to get my leading actresses back. Uh, the Christabel girl uh, wants to move to London. Uh, has been accepted in an acting school in London. But they can't meet in person. Wow. They do yeah. some Zoom stuff, or some uh, right. uh, you know virtual classroom. Sure. But but she's hoping to. I mean, she sold her. She had a lovely condo right in downtown Houston, and sold that already, and was prepared. Was had moved 
uh, right. delay. And then it's like, oh, never mind. And so right, she's I know. with her parents yeah. or whatever. But I've got to work around her schedule. She's expecting to be able to go to class then. And so yeah, sure, sure. My, my window of availability will be next year, uh, January 22. And yeah. uh, I'd have enough time with her. And there's a, the, the woman who plays the other character. Right. <laughs> Uh, uh, it lives here in Houston, so that shouldn't be uh, that much of a problem. But that's uh, that's what I'm aiming for to to uh, to uh, do. You part always two. have something going on. And if I do, that's what I love two, about you. Whole thing, and it right. would be feature length. Uh, at 34 yes. minutes, you can't. Festivals don't want it. It's the wrong no. length. It is too. Yeah, I know. I my my past experience with festivals. Yeah. If it's short, it's short, but if it's long, then it, yeah, I know. There's no in between. Well, 15 minutes is really long for a short right. play test. Uh, I learned uh, that the hard way. 34 <laughs> minutes is just unacceptable. And it's, you know, it's not long enough to be a feature. So what do you do? Right. They don't, they don't want to program it. So nope. if I do part two, then, you know, we should be 68, somewhere close to 70 minutes. Well, that's, a, that's enough. That's feature length. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so uh, we'll see what happens. But we'll try to try to get that there. And I'll tell my line producer, I have like $5,000 less than I really do because she will spend every penny. Line producers are, will spend it every penny. I know. I know one in LA that I uh, worked with is so. I get it. I get it. So what else is going on with you? I mean, what are you doing outside of writing every day and trying to produce feature films? And what else have you got going on, dude? I haven't talked to you in forever. And I knew you'd be a perfect guest for my podcast because I just, you're a great conversationalist. I absolutely adore you and enjoy talking to you. Oh, well, thank you. I, uh, honest truth, the last few months, I just yeah. been trying to heal. Yeah. and get back to, to normal and i'm i'm pretty much there the neck brace too much yeah. with that thing you know and it's still the, the the pacemaker is starting to heal around there and and it's doing its job and uh good oh and and I, when i went into the emergency room the next morning the doctor came and said well you you cracked a vertebrae uh but we may have to operate they didn't. Uh, I said, "Oh, and uh, you tested positive for COVID nineteen. Oh, wow! So uh, getting this huge gash in, in, in my head and uh, breaking my neck and and uh, and uh, being diagnosed with COVID all in one time. And so I got over the COVID all on my own. Mm -hmm. uh, it obviously wasn't a bad uh, infection." Or something. I don't know. I didn't even know I had it until. Right. I mean, I felt a little bad for three or four days. I thought some, some little virus. Well, it was a virus. That yeah. virus. Uh, right. But, uh, but uh, uh, so that was, that was, a, it gave me quite something to overcome. And yeah. uh, in fact, uh, it, uh, several different ways I could have been, I could have died from it. But uh, yes. And I very easily could have been paralyzed from the uh, broken uh, vertebrae because, you know, there's that spinal cord. Uh, 
And uh, so, you know, I, I'm just now coming back and, and doing yeah. my daily walk and, and, you know, I, I was writing, but, uh, uh, and I had both, both shots now. And, I, and, and Saturday night, this band that I, great friends with, did a music video for them 25 years ago. And yeah. uh, uh, he's my computer uh, guy. Also, he's my uh, pot dealer. And, uh, uh, yeah. and, <laughs> and they, they were going to, uh, they played at, at the last concert cafe, which hasn't been open yeah. for, you know, forever, but I, you know, what a great night, go there, have a nice Mexican dinner, listen to one of my favorite bands, drink some beer, get stoned. Uh, you know, that's my culture. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, Always has been. after the second COVID shot, I felt so bad Saturday. I never got out of bed. Yeah. I've heard I, that about that one. I watched both basketball games from my laying down in my couch. Yeah. Wasn't that Gonzaga shot just mind-blowing? Oh. Oh. Uh, people are saying it's the greatest college basketball game ever, and I don't doubt it. Uh, yeah, well, I don't remember the John Wooden years because I was too young, but I suggest that yeah. they're talking between that and the Christian Leitner shot, you know, against yes. Kentucky in the Elite Eight. It was like that. I was riding my bike home from work because, you know, I ride my bike back and forth to work because I have a car down here in Rockport. And I'm in the parking lot and I just stop and I watched a video of it on my phone because this yeah. was technology. And I watched that shot. Nobody's around me. And all of a sudden, I just let out an oh, my God, when that thing went in. I could not believe it. It's just it was like, wow, it just blew me away. Yeah, Robbie Thompson's home run, you know that kind of feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as the buzzer rang, the shot mm -hmm. was in the air. I know. So, Just one. I think it was like one dribble, one step past the half court line, and bam, off the glass too. I mean, yeah, come on. off the glass. Right. Like, damn. Well, you know, I, back when I shot a lot of hoop, which I stopped. Stop when I turned 70. I thought it's not good for my joints because I played on playgrounds, you know, with right. Concrete. Uh, right. But, you know, I tried shooting from, from kind of midcourt. And, sure. you know, every once in a while, one would go in uh, and it almost always would be off the board. Uh, yeah. I know. That's the best way to get a good half court shot is if you can find that angle on the board, you're, it's a lot easier than trying to swish it. Yeah. So, yeah gives you a little bit you know more of a chance you know scientifically so makes sense are you still in houston then yes or are you yes. in austin no okay, I, I moved uh, back to houston in 2014 okay uh what happened is my wife died yes in, i knew uh, about that 2013 and uh uh after about six months, I she died in July. After about six months, I was having emotional problems, you know. Yeah. I, I just that that were unexplainable to me, you know. And uh, you know, I want to be stoic about stuff, but you know, I just was having weird shit go on. Mm -hmm. And I was in that same apartment and and sleeping in the same bed and. Uh, 
you know, I got a prescription for Xanax, but that, you know, it's not a real solution. And, no. and so, uh, I began considering, uh, um, you know, I had class, you were probably in my class, you know, in oh, class yeah. in, in Houston, yep. in a lovely studio in Houston. And I thought, well, you know, I'd drive in from Austin once a week. Uh, well, what if I moved back? Because it's, you know, Houston's home too. I lived Houston more than anything else, anywhere else. And so I began uh, uh, researching it and, and looking. Yeah. My friend Susan Elkins, my line producer, that she was really enthusiastic about my moving back. And uh, so we looked and we found this condo right in my own yeah neighborhood. uh montrose very near montrose and westheimer uh yep. and uh, four blocks from where i lived for a jillion years where my wife lived for a long time and yeah. uh and i could afford it and so and i sold my austin condo which had increased in value enormously in the 10 years yep. or something that were in it and uh because the neighborhood transformed and uh, and uh, it became a hot neighborhood, and the value of the property just skyrocketed. Right. And uh, and I was not only that, I was able to sell to my my producer, my uh, uh, a close friend, but also been producer of my last two features. And he wanted to buy it to use as a rental property, and he was in the financial sector, so I didn't have to pay an agent or any of that. Sort yeah, you didn't of stuff. have to go through all the BS. Nice. Yeah. And uh, and I, I was able to sell that for so much that I was able to buy the condo in in Houston for cash. Uh, uh, nice. I had to just add like 1500 bucks or something to it. But uh, but then I no no uh, mortgage. I bought the place where yeah, I'm sitting right. right now. Yeah, mm -hmm. I bought it uh, cash and uh, and it's great. It's great uh, owning it. And uh, you know, I'm I'm senior citizen, so my property tax is ridiculously low, and will never go up. And so, good. you know, good. Uh, so I I feel like I've landed at a good good. And there are no stairs. You know, uh, the uh, old place in Austin was just stairs galore, and it never bothered me. But then I've had a little well, few little problems with the, the leg. You know. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean, and uh, and so uh, so I'm grateful that I'm living on the ground floor and I don't uh -huh. have to negotiate ears. Yeah, no kidding, dude. But you just are. I'm so glad that you're healing up, and I didn't. You know, you. For me, my memory of you is so much energy and so much beautiful creativity, and I think that's just in your DNA. It's in your double helix. That that's how you are and you still got it dude i mean it makes me happy just to talk to you because it i don't know you've always had that effect on me and i know a lot of my classmates that i still talk to from you know aaron and patrick to you know laura houston and those guys i still we all talk about that energy that you bring you always have. well thank you very much i i appreciate that it was it was uh it was great having you guys in class. You know, I mean, my Austin students tended to be in their 20s and from somewhere not yeah. more than 100 miles away from Austin. 
uh, originally, you know, right. uh, whereas Houston uh, students, man, they're in their 40s and 50s and things like that. And they're professionals yep. And, yep. and from all over the world. Yeah. You know, like, wow. You know, somebody's from Vietnam and somebody else is from Nigeria and somebody's yep. from Bulgaria, you know, yep. on and on. I know it, it's great. Uh, and well, Houston, what most people don't know is Houston's one of the most diverse cities in the country, if not the, because there's like 99 something languages spoken there, which is beautiful. And I love that about Houston. It just, it, it, Texas will always be my home now as I've made that emotional attachment to it more than Nebraska, even though Nebraska is where my family is. But Texas sure. has always been, I don't know, been my home, you know, even though I did my little five-year stint in L.A. and didn't make it to five years, actually. If I'm being truthfully honest with myself, I was like too much short of five years. You know, and they always said, if you can make it five years, that's that bar. That's it. And you've been to L.A., you've done it. So that's the yeah. benchmark. And I never made it there, but that's okay. It was fun. Well, yeah. And you live in Rockport now? Yep. Right down by Corpus. Yep. Yeah. I have a friend who, who's uh, got a fishing lodge in Seadrift. And uh, uh, got a fishing I what? I got a, a fishing lodge yeah. in Seadrift. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people come pay, pay. Usually they stay Thursday, Friday, Saturday, leave Sunday. Yep. And they come and he's got a boat and he takes them out fishing. He's right there by the water. And nice. uh, and he's a chef. And so uh, he cooks and they catch fish and he cooks. And, oh, wow. Uh, uh, and uh, we're, we're, we're all buddies from way back. And he's, he wanted nice. me to come and hang with him for... So I went a couple of days, but uh, the reason why you mentioned Rock Park, Rockport, pretty close to Rockport, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and Rockport's a fishing town. I mean, that's what this town is built on. It's built on fishing shrimp. I mean, we got more shrimp boats than I know what to do with, which I love, you know. Yeah. And it's a glorious little town. Lots the people are just, you know, there's Texas nice yeah. and it, these things are like, you know, four-star, five-star Texas nice people. Because everybody yeah. in Texas is nice. I love that. And my sister told, when she came to visit me in Houston when I lived there, she said, you know, people in the Midwest are nice, but people in Texas are nice and approachable. You can ask directions yeah. from people in Texas. And they won't, they'll be like, you know, they'll give you directions. And they won't care. They're just, they love helping somebody else along. That's always how Texas yeah. people are. Yep. Yeah. So what else is going on, dude? Man, I just I wanted you on my podcast just to catch up with you truthfully and see. I know you would have like ten thousand irons in the fire though, but I'm, you're always that way. You're always writing something or producing something or so and so's got this or so and so's got that, and I'm working on this. That's every conversation I've ever had with you has been like that, which I love because it inspires me to keep doing more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, that's who, who I am. It keeps me from being bored. Yeah. Well, you're never bored, but I, it kind of reminds me though, that I got to keep writing. Cause I'm, 
you know, now I'm with the entertainment industry, I'll do it for fun. Like I uh, recently went out and I actually was sitting at a bar and met somebody that is involved in a local little playhouse. It's like, I should just go back and do that for fun, you know? Sure. For fun, as opposed to it being a business or, you know, I'm working on a TV show just for fun, not for, because I want to be rich or famous, but because it's fun. Yeah. And I yeah, lost well, sight I, of that when I was in LA. Yeah, I, I, I know. That culture is really different. It's very different in Texas, but it's fun to just do it. But it seems to be part of your DNA just to do all of those kinds of things. And I, I love that. And it makes me happy that you're back on your feet and you're thriving again. And you're talking about this production or that production. Or, and that's the Gary Chation I know. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I've got a offer for acting gig that won't happen until the summer. But uh, uh, yeah, you've been on screen with the real red light on and everything, and it's not hard yeah. for you. No, no, it's kind of fun. It and is, I, and I, you're like, good at it, though. It's it's a it, it's a character who's been a really bad person, and it's sort of deathbed confession and. <laughs> Yeah. he's done awful thing yeah so uh you know playing villains and bad characters they're the most fun i have found because of the pandemic and everything and then we could probably take this on a different tangent but i've watched a lot of television shows a lot and yeah. now i'm i'm less interested in the protagonist than i am the villain because i love villains that make me feel something and like uh I'll never forget that one little short that we worked on in class, which was a villain character that had, oh my goodness, so many, like five different character arcs in five pages, which was, you know, but I think about villains like that, where they make you think and they make you feel, they make you realize who you really are because they yeah. are kind of, I love that. So when you get the chance to play one, there's so much fun. Like I just saw the trailer for, one of those Marvel movies was Loki, you know, which was, that was the first kind of villainous character outside of Superman, obviously, that, that just made me go, ah, I don't like you, but I'm feeling something. But then I'm watching this performance going, wow, that's really, really impressive to me. And villains are so much fun like that. Yes, 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 they really are. <laughs> And I you need them, you know, them. for the, the conflict, you know, uh, in, in your oh, story. Yeah. Yep. You need them to push up against to that. And like a TV show I'm writing, I still haven't kind of figured out who the villain is. So uh -huh. once you figure that out, well, it's easy. It becomes, you know, simple because then you know what obstacles they have to go over and whatever. But it's fun. I love villains. And yeah, I remember you talking about that one character that you did that was like that which is fun because it's neat to hear you talk about it because you talk about you know their backstory but what you bring to the table and how you make it come to life and then it becomes this beautiful performance where as an audience member you think and you feel and you're like oh wow yeah. that's cool good you got anything else you want to talk about or anything you want to promote or anything? Are you just happy that everything's going well and you're finally no neck brace 
Your head is healing. You look good. You look Thanks. happy too. Really happy. Yeah. I think people have commented that I'm showing more color in my yes, skin since I got the, the uh, pacemaker. And I think I was getting sort of pale. Okay. Uh, uh, and uh, there just wasn't good enough uh, circulation. But also uh, uh, more energy and uh, optimism for the future and making future plans and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, I must be doing okay. You're doing great. You look great. I'm proud of you, as always. I'm grateful that our paths crossed years ago in Houston, and I still treasure you as a friend. Always. Well, thank you. Good well, mentors as well. Much. Yeah. Of course. Well, dude, I'm going to let you go and let this thing do its thing, and, and I'll publish it. I'll let you know where it is, and I'll post it on Facebook, blah, blah, blah. But it's wonderful okay. to catch up with you. Thank you. Good to talk to you. Take too. care and say hi to everybody in Houston for me, will you? I will do that. All right. I'll talk to you later, Gary. All right, Kelly. Thank you. All right. Bye. bye.